We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Welcome to The Interruption with Chandra Nair, the Global Institute for Tomorrow podcast. So today we are actually going to be talking to Chandran on his recent talk that he made in the World Travel and Tourism Council. So this huge global conference was in Spain and Barack Obama was also one of the keynote speakers. Patrick White of Skype.com wrote this viral article who quoted Chandran as one of the great disruptors. So Chandran, maybe we can start off with, um, you know, what this speech that you made about and why do you think there is so little honest discussion in this kind of conference? Okay, thank you. Um, This is an experiment, so I'm also uh, going to try and be at my best behavior. Uh, So the the conference is uh, the world's largest uh, travel and tourism conference, and this year it was held in Seville. And as Sina, you mentioned, Barack Obama was one of the speakers, but so was the former president of Mexico, uh, Felipe Calderoni. And um, I was asked to speak uh, about essentially what the future looks like. And uh, much of the, the, the focus of the conference was about the theme of sustainability. Mm-hmm. But uh, as the, um, the journalist who wrote a piece about my, my talk said, uh, there was actually a lot of uh, reference to sustainability, but not much uh, direct sort of taking of the responsibility of the, the, the disastrous consequences of mass tourism. So I think I was the first person to essentially not be critical, but essentially to say that if you're really honestly going to look at these things and you're also concerned about this, then here are, is a laundry list of things you, you should be doing, and I'm happy to mm-hmm. uh, list out what yes. I'm happy to what I what I said in the conference. So, what are the laundry lists that you actually mentioned to the yeah. audience? So I said, um, you know, I, I gave them five six things that I mm-hmm. thought could easily be done. The first was there's a lot of talk about wastage, and so I suggested that the the WTTC, which is the world world Travel and Trade Council could essentially all ask all its members to sign up over a period of time, and I uh, and I said this uh, without uh, trying to just be cheeky, but I think it's a serious issue to essentially have a have a, a real hard look at the the format of buffets. And buffets. I, yeah, and I suggested that you actually get rid of buffets, and I said that I travel extensively, and when I go to a hotel and I wake up the next morning. The last thing I need at 8 a.m. is, you know, 500 different choices on what to eat. And give me a cup of tea, a boiled egg, some brown bread, I'm okay. Now that's the way to reduce waste. And frankly, the buffets have become so self-indulgent um, that they should be almost illegal in some places, though I didn't say that at the conference. The second thing I said was about the wastage of, of water. Mm-hmm. So in many parts of the world, water is now becoming a scarce resource. So I said, again, the WTTC could ask its members to sign up to an agreement that would essentially get rid of baths from hotels. We don't need baths. You can it's have like nice bathtubs. Bathtubs, yeah. Better, better said, bathtubs. Get rid of bathtubs. And showers would be limited to three minutes. Now, that seems a bit hardcore, but you can have a very good shower in three minutes. Mm -hmm. And the point is that if you want to have a shower for more than 
three minutes than the Internet of Things, given that everyone was talking about you know, the Internet of Things and technology, will charge you. For every extra minute, you would be charged for using the shower. So that was one thing on water. The other big, uh, 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 the other big sustainability issue for in, in uh, hotels is, of course, energy use. Here again, I suggested that using technology, the Internet of Things, etc., uh, room temperatures would be set depending on season and geography, geographical location at certain temperatures. So in the tropics, room temperatures should be about 24 degrees or 25. If you want it to be cooler and you've got used to 19 degrees C, go ahead. But we would charge you 100 bucks or whatever for that luxury. So if you want to sleep at 19 degrees C in the tropics because you don't like it hot, uh, go ahead, but we will charge you, and you might have a bill for 500 bucks the next morning. But that's really bringing pricing into the 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 use of uh, energy, etc. The, the, so that's number three. Uh, number four, I suggested that uh, all hotels uh, over a period of time sign up to essentially having 75% of all food consumed uh, being uh, locally produced. Therefore, you do not uh, essentially create a carbon footprint, add a carbon footprint to the massive carbon footprint that essentially the travel and tourism industry already imposes. So if 75% uh, was local, then you start changing things. I suggested that you, know, you don't have a right to eat strawberries in Malaysia in a hotel. You know, get some local fruit and uh, you'll be fine with that. Now that, that is important because it also starts to then nurture local industries that can produce other goods, uh, foods, etc. The fourth thing I suggested, the fifth thing the I fifth. finally suggested was that um, you would essentially have a 100% ban on plastics in rooms. This is possible. I mean, we, in fact, we had uh, the CEO of a small boutique chain of uh, hotels say that they had he had essentially removed all plastic from rooms. So plastic uh, removal over a period of time could be a target that's set and that would essentially be doable. Now these, I'm sure not everyone thinks they're reasonable suggestions, but I don't think most, anyone here would think they're unreasonable. They're t clearly technically feasible and attainable. And yet, you know, it was seen as uh, a fairly bold and provocative thing to say. I think it's a reflection of the world we live in, that we are so used to things being a certain way that we refuse to change or make any sacrifices, yet we will continue to supposedly raise awareness. Okay, and how was the reception from the audience when you suggested all this? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think it was right at the end, it was the closing. I was in between, as the article uh, said, uh, I was between the guy from Uber who was talking about the future, which seemed to be sort of a science fiction movie, but it was a great, uh, great imagery. And then the Hyperloop guys who were talking about another science fiction, science fiction sort of uh, uh, approach to solving the world's problems. So I think it was a breath of fresh air as far mm. as I could see. A lot of people came up to me and said, my God, finally someone spoke the truth as is reflected in the journalist's comments. I think amongst, uh, can I say, the great and the good amongst the, the people, the large chain, hotel chains and the business leaders, there was clearly discomfort. But that's why you go to conferences, to hear someone say something 
that is essentially uh, going to provoke you to think, but also you know takes away the cover from much of the bluff that now constitutes content in conferences. Mm. Okay. And do you think with the suggestions that you gave, the travel and tourism industry can seriously address it? I think the travel and, tra travel and tourism industry is so big um, and without being attacking it as an industry, it's a scourge. Uh, everyone can travel uh, and frankly so much of it is without any regard to the consequences. So in fact one of the other things I said is that there should be no-go zones on the, in the world where luxury hotels, because they have these brands, go in, build hotels, and then call it ecotourism. You know, the, the classic going to some remote area, which is fragile ecosystems, if it's a forest area, clear pitch of land, uh, 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 a clear some land, be environmentally conscious, which is not difficult if you're still clearing land there, build a very um, nice resort that is uh, blended into the local environment and then have your infinity pool surrounded with palm trees, uh, make a nice brochure and call it ecotourism. Well, that's not ecotourism, that's ecoterrorism. You can't have that. Uh, and this kind of uh, foolishness uh, needs to be stopped. So it's so large from that sort of extreme right down to the others where people feel a right to consume so much food, throw it away, it's all the trinkets and all that junk. Um, I'm not sure as a whole the industry can, but I think the big players can certainly create very tough rules from now on uh, to do that. Even there I think they would be reluctant if the response that I got is an indication of the, um, the, de the degree to which there's a gap between statements about we care, nice videos about we want to save the planet, and the reality of business models that are still very much based on underpricing the externalities of luxury travel or even mass consumerism. So I think that'd be difficult. I think the onus still comes back to what I said in my book about the sustainable state, only the state can intervene. And we've already beginning to see, I think, the start of governments intervening. So we know that in the Philippines, uh, President Duterte intervened, closed off a couple of islands. The Thai government recently did the same. And I think governments will have to have no-go zones, start to price these things properly, and essentially, if I could put it, discipline mass tourism. There is no discipline at the moment, and it's a scourge. Um, we all have a right to enjoy uh, the, 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 the world we live in, but we can't enjoy it at the expense of, of the, the natural environment and impinge on the rights of others to have some access to those uh, uh, natural wonders as well as beautiful places. Okay, thank you. Thank so you. we have one question coming in from Chris Durkinren. So his question is, would this be done just by private operators? Maybe he was referring to one of the suggestions that you had on um, possibly on the plastic ban, I'm, I'm assuming, Mr. Chris? 
No, this would be, I mean, the, the suggestion is that the World Trade and Travel, Travel and Tourism Council is the largest tourism and travel organization in the world. Mm. Organizations exist so that they can bring about collaboration, they can create uh, agreements, they set the tone and the bar. So my suggestion is that the WTTC would set an, uh, a, a rule that to be members and all members without from now on abide by these rules. For instance, 75% local foods mm -hmm. by five years or three years. That we will, over a five-year period, get rid of bathtubs. We will introduce the three-minute shower we will control ambient temperature so that we do not uh, start, uh, start, we do not excessively cool or overheat and thereby get customers to really buy into, if you're honest, uh, but, and, and uh, you're committed to these things. So this would be, ha had to be done uh, through organizational change and, and that's why these kinds of large global organizations exist and they're very powerful and they could make a change. Does anybody have in, any questions in the audience? Hi, Samuel. So I think I don't think we have any questions at the moment. So we can just go on. Okay. Um, so Chandran, I mean, maybe you can share a little bit about what Barack Obama presented, and also um, because Patrick, um, in his article, also wrote that you. Not to say it was, you know, kind of opposed him, but you had some counterpoints against his speech. Yeah, well, um, Barack Obama was there as the the guest speaker, mm -hmm. uh, the rock star for the day, and uh, he didn't speak so much about these issues, but mm -hmm. he was interviewed. He didn't make a speech or something. Okay. He was interviewed, and it was a long conversation about a whole range of things from his time as presidency, right through to bringing up his kids, right through to some of the geopolitics. What I said in my talk was that uh, this is actually the second time that I had followed Barack Obama as a speaker mm -hmm. at, at a major conference. The first one was at the APAC conference about seven years ago in Honolulu, where Barack Obama had spoken about that time, his pivot to Asia and spoke about the Asian century. Uh, and I had said that, that when I followed him uh, uh, in that conference, I said that um, I thought the idea of an Asian century is a very bad idea, and that an idea that the Asian century would be premised on the American century or the British century, which was based on extraction, exploitation, and exceptionalism, would be catastrophic because we live in a very different era, and six million Asians, a billion Asians in 2050, believing that they are exceptional, and this is their time, like the British and Americans thought, uh, would ruin the planet, simply because we're too many. So that's the point I made, to connect to the same issue now, that essentially this idea that we can continue and somehow have everything, was uh, just talking about raising awareness, but not taking the deep, uh, discussions forward about what that would actually mean uh, is essentially the uh, you know at the at the heart of the denial that the whale world faces today whether it's climate change etc there is there's an inability to accept 
that we need to sacrifice, things will have to dramatically change, and you can't just have platitudes anymore. Okay, we actually have one comment from Yulia. Um, so simple and doable suggestions to reduce waste in the tourism and travel industries, but will charging extra for more consumption affect much change? People who can afford it will pay for it. Many policies turn out to be austerity measures for the poor. For example, yellow vest protest in Paris. What do you have to say about that, Chandran? It is a, it is a good point. Uh, we haven't yet changed the, the economic model, but you have to start first by pricing. Uh, when you start pricing things properly, quite often, and particularly if the, the suggestion that the rich pay for the privilege, well, let them stop paying for the privilege, but that is a form of taxation of their ability for the privilege to essentially consume. But then there's a whole question of the redistribution of the tax to essentially address the issues of those who don't have access, etc. But this is a, a good point. It's a complex economic discussion we can't go into now. But, um, but you have to start by charging for the privilege of consumption. The, of course, the other thing I've argued in my book on consumptionomics is that certain things just have to be banned which would be difficult. But for instance, in, with regard to tourism, as I said, I think ecotourism, uh, labeling something ecotourism, when it's essentially an intrusion into wilderness or in very important uh, environmental areas, is essentially a bluff. They should be banned. But then you can have tiered pricing as well, so that you redistribute, so that you don't have the the issue where people that with the rich pay for it, but the poor won't have access. But it's not so much an access uh, uh, in terms of financial ability to access, it's actually the dep being deprived from the ability to have those resources at, available to those people. And that's, uh, we can talk about water, land, etc. But I think we have to wrap up. And, but it's a, it's, a good, it's a good question. Thank you. Thank you, Yulia. So thank you for joining our Facebook Live session. We will probably be having another session. If not, do tune into our podcast at Spotify and also Apple. Thank you. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.